Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey! Yeah, uh, as I said earlier, I'm absolutely convinced that God has brought you here today. Maybe you think you were here to watch a little one dedicated, but here's my belief. God has orchestrated, arranged, maneuvered in your life. And the wild thing is you said yes. He was drawing you here. You said yes. You allowed yourself to come into his presence because his desire is to speak a word of hope and love and healing over your life, over your relationships. And I believe it's incredibly important because we're starting a new series on identity. And it's a big deal. Seriously, maybe the biggest deal in your life because most people are miserable in our world. Most people are miserable because most people don't know who they truly are. They don't know their true identity. Oh, well, they know their name, first name, last name, maybe a middle name, maybe a title. Uh, they know their social security number. They got pictures, IDs in their passport or driver's license, but they are clueless about their true identity. And um, so for the next three weeks, we're We're going to debunk, debunk some lies that the world tells us about who we truly are because I'm getting choked up over this message. Because our awareness of our identity either takes the lid off in our lives or creates a limit under which we live and do relationships. In fact, what I want to talk about this weekend is how our identity can get ripped off by our relationships. Now, let me just give you this insight. In 2019, this year, 17 million people in the U.S. will have their identity stolen. In fact, this year, in the history of of all records, more people have had their social security numbers hacked than credit card numbers. That's where the thieves are going. As a result, this year, this year alone, over $16 billion will be stolen through identity theft. And and identity theft is nothing new. It started in the beginning in the garden with the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve. God had given them an identity. They would be loved by God. They would be blessed by God. They would be given great significance by God, but they lost their identities when they listened to the lies of Satan. They forgot who they were, and it wrecked their relationship, and it damaged their relationship with God, and that is what is most precious in life, our relationships and our relationship with God, and it was lost in the garden. So I'm going to give you the three big Identity lies that our our culture tries to brainwash us. Social media tries to get us to think we are defined, number one, by what we have. If what you have is better than what I have, you think you're better than me. And sadly, if I see someone who's got better than me, the temptation is for me to feel they're better than me. I'm less if I have less, I'm more if I have more. And that's a lie. You are not your possessions. Though I really love my truck. I mean, it's old, but I, I, I'm just messing with you. 
The second lie that our culture kind of brainwashes us with gets us to identify ourselves or define ourselves by what we do. You are what you do, and that's not true. If I feel like, hey, I'm just a pastor, and my friend Ray is a former professional football player, then he's got to be better than me because I'm just what I do, but he is, oh my gosh, famous for what he's done. Or you maybe you feel like, man, you got this job and you're hauling in the money and that makes you better than someone who's making less. No, we are not defined by what we do. We are defined by what Jesus has done, that he rescued us on the cross, that he died for our sins, that he offers a super abundant life through his death and resurrection. That's who we are. We are defined by what Jesus has done. And then the third lie is, I am what people say about me. If people say I'm stupid, then hey, I must be stupid. If people say I'm worthless, then hey, I must be worthless. But it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. What matters is what God says about you. Because he is right, and he is true, and he says you are good, and he says you are perfect, and he says you are lovable, and he says you are worthy, and he says you are more than adequate, and he says you are the best. That's what God says about you. Now, if we believe those lies, I am what I have, and I am what I do, and I am what people say about me, we live broken lives, and it leads to broken relationships. But I'll tell you three deeper lies. And these are the lies that will keep you broken and will keep wrecking your relationships. The first one is this, I'm alone. I can be in a crowd of people and still be alone. And that's a lie. You are not alone. Here's the truth that sets you free. God is always with you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. And where God is present, there his love is present. There there his grace is present. There his forgiveness is present. There his mercy is present. There his peace is present. And God is always present with you. There's nothing you've done or nothing you could do that could ever drive him away, move him another fraction of an inch from you. God is with you. A second thing, if you hear yourself saying this thing, you know you're sustaining your own brokenness, and that is no one understands me. I'm going to tell you something. The truth that sets you free is that God gets you. God God understands you better than you understand yourself. You, You are fearfully and wonderfully knit together by God in your mother's womb. He knows you inside and out, backwards and forwards. He knew about you before the day you were born. He knows what's coming in your life. He, God, understands you and gets you better than you get yourself. And number three, what's the same sickness and brokenness in our life is victimization, that we feel sorry for ourselves and we make excuses and we blame other people and we believe we are powerless to change our circumstance. Well, here's the the truth that sets you free. No excuses, blame no one because through Christ, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's the truth about you. Now, it's one of the reasons I brought this toy other than it helps me not get bored during my sermon. 
But some of you, you know, you've had this for your kids or your grandkids, and the idea is that you have a piece with a shape, and you look for a corresponding shape on the box, and you put the piece in. Now, I had this for my kids, and I had this for my uh, grandbabies, and my granddaughter, Emma, when she played with it, um, if she found a piece that didn't fit, um, she would just set it aside, let go of me, and she would find then, patiently, a, a piece that would fit, and she's smarter than her grandpa. I mean, I want to tell you something, friends. This can be a very frustrating game. <laughs> I, I grew up in southern Illinois, and this was our ACT test. <laughs> but my, grand, my grandson, David, he's not the patient, calm kind of guy. He's a different kind of animal. When he would play this game, if he would find a piece that didn't fit, that didn't fit, he would fire it across the room. And then he would grab another piece and see if it would fit. And if it didn't fit, he would get up, stomp out of the room. David, where are you going? Get a hammer. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is what we do with our hearts. We go through our lives, unfortunately, trying to cram, painfully trying to cram stuff into our hearts that doesn't fit. And you, you know what we do? We're, we're like David. We want to fire it across the room or go into the kitchen, open that drawer, drive, grab a hammer, and try to pound something where it doesn't belong, where it doesn't go, where it doesn't fit. And it breaks us, and it breaks our relationships. There's a really rich guy in the Bible and he wrote a journal in his life because he got so frustrated. I mean, he was so rich, he could try anything. Money was not an issue. And so he could eat the very best of food, gourmet food, and, and he could drink uh, the very, very best of wines. And, and uh, his name was Solomon, and he was so rich, he could, he could build and own waterfront properties and make these real estate, exciting real estate ventures and and these mansions, massive mansions with gardens and parks. And, and then because he was so rich and because he was king, he could just experiment sexually with as many different women as, as possible. And all the stuff he was trying to cram, nothing fit, nothing fit in the hole in his heart. And so finally at the end, of his journal, it's called the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. This is what he says. Life is useless, useless, useless. It is all useless. You see, we were each, Solomon included, we were each born with a cross-shaped hole in our heart that nothing fits but Jesus. Well, after Solomon exhausted himself in his pursuit of what can satisfy his heart. Wine, check it off. Good food, check it off. Houses, property, women, sex, check it off. He came to a realization that only God can fill the hole in his heart. And then he wrote the book of wisdom, book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon finally gets it. He says this, what a man. What a woman desires is unfailing love. This um, 
Past Wednesday, my Deb and I had been in Janesville um, till about eight o'clock in the evening, and we were driving home. And if you remember, that was the night it snowed, and it was kind of a gross snow and salt, no salt on 51. That's where uh, the highway we were driving. We were creeping along about uh, 40 miles an hour, and we were listening on the radio to Delilah, sending out love songs to lonely people. And I was shaped by the music of my uh, generation. Elvis was, hunk a hunk a burning love. <laughs> or my, the big deal, when I hit middle school, was the Beatles, and they had these great love songs like, love, love me do, I'll always love you. I'll always be true. So please, there you go, love me. But my favorite love song of all time, you know it as well. You can sing it with me. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. Yeah, baby. Now, somebody needs a restraining order on that dude. And it's not just the music industry that tried to tap into our longing for unfailing love, but Hollywood did too. Movie after movie, love story after love story, and maybe one of the corniest and cheesiest, I'm sorry, all you Tom Cruise fans, but was his movie with Renee Zellweger, uh, Jerry Maguire. And there are three lines from that movie that we all know now. Uh, the first, you know, show me the... Yeah, show me the money. The second is, you had me at? And the third is, you, you complete me. It's a lie. I've been married for 45 years. I should know. <laughs> I've been married to my Debbie for 45 years, and there is no person on the planet I would rather be with. She is fun. We make our own good time. You know, it, it doesn't matter if we're on the couch in our living room or going down to a conference in Tennessee or out west to the mountains or driving across town uh, to Menards where I won't get out of the car. <laughs> I love my Debbie. I, never, I, I, I would rather be with her than anyone else on the planet, but my Debbie does not complete me. And this may shock you, I don't complete her. You see, to expect an imperfect person to bring completeness into your life, to fill the hole in your heart, it is unfair and unrealistic. Now, if you expect that, either you're going to be very angry with them because they don't complete you in a way you want to be completed, or you're going to be tremendously disappointed in yourself because you may feel unworthy or inadequate or not good enough to be loved in that way. What did Solomon say? What a man, what a woman desires is unfailing love. I don't have an unfailing love. You don't have an unfailing love. The people in your life don't have unfailing life. 
Only Jesus has an unfailing love and only Jesus can complete you. And other than that, you're just gonna be sat- uh, dissatisfied, frustrated, and broken all your life trying to cram the wrong things into the hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. Yeah. <clears throat> My, my Debbie's favorite author is Brennan Manning, and he writes this way. If we want to truly love, we must return again and again to the great love of the great lover, Jesus. And so if I want to truly love my grandchildren, I don't look to my wife or my parents who are great, great grandparents. I look to Jesus for unlimited love if If I want to truly love my children, I don't look to my Debbie, who is a great mom. I look to Jesus. If I I want to love my Debbie truly, I don't look to other great husbands. I, I look to Jesus. I return again and again and again to the great love of the great lover. You see, here's the deal. You are accepted. You are secure. You are significant based on what God says about you in his word and what Jesus has done for you in your place as your substitute on the cross for your sins. It's not what you do. It's what he's done. It's what he's doing. It's what he's going to do in your life. That defines who you are. So here's healing truth number one. I am who God says I am. Would you say that with me? I am who God says I am. Say that one more time. I am who God says I am. And what he says about you is a mind blower. Why do we believe those teachers? Why do we believe those coaches? Why do we believe those those bad friends who rip us up on Facebook? Why do we believe what they say about us? I am not what somebody says about me. I am who God says I am. But equally significant is healing truth number two. God is. I believe God is who he says he is. And that's huge. Until I believe that, until I get that truth at work in my life, I can't even understand who I am or my true identity. I believe God is who he says he is. Would you say that with me, please? I believe God is who he says he is. And he's very clear. You see, when you have a misunderstanding about God, if you think that God is some far off, aloof, distant, uncaring, higher power, God is not a higher power. God is a person. God is our heavenly father. And you can cast all your cares on him for he cares on you. But if you feel like he's aloof and distant and far off and unconcerned, you'll lead a loveless life. You will feel neglected. If you think God is like a demanding teacher or a demanding coach or or maybe a demanding parent who, and you can't do it right enough, you can't do it good enough, you can't do it fast enough. You, if that's what you think about God, you will live not just a disappointed life, you will live a defeated life. If you think God is like some angry cop in the sky who's gonna hammer you if you get one step out of line, you'll live a fearful life, you'll live a worried life, you'll live an anxious life. 
You'll live a despairing life. Those are lies about God. Um, here's what A.W. Tozer, he's one of my favorite authors. Here's what he says. Well, I mean, what's the first thing you think of when you think of God? Tozer writes, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Here's the truth about your God. He loved you with his radical, raging, ferocious, unlimited, undying love. He was willing to send his one and only son, Jesus, to be with us, to become one of us, to die in our place on the cross for our sins. And God then raised him from the dead. Uh, yeah, that was for Jesus, for Jesus' faithfulness, for Jesus' obedience. But even more, it's for me, it was for you. It was for our children, the unstoppable, triumphant, supernatural resurrection power. When Jesus came back from the dead, he makes available to us. And I prayed for my children, and I prayed for my grandchildren, and I prayed for our church, and I prayed for my marriage. I prayed for me because Jesus died to set me free. Jesus died loving me with an unfaithful love and he rose from the dead to say it's real that settles it it's mine it's yours <laughs> you, you see here here's the deal we spend our lives trying to cram sex or money or alcohol or drugs or family or marriage or children or grandchildren into our hearts and nothing fits it's a cross-shaped hole everyone has one we were all born with a cross-shaped hole that only Jesus can fill. And when he's allowed to fill it, he fills it overflowing, abundantly, super abundant till we are filled to the full with the fullness of God, the fullness of his peace and joy and, and love, the fullness of his care, his provision, his protection. So... Back to Solomon, what a man, what a woman desires is unfailing love. That's what draws us. That's what we long for. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but 40 times in the Bible, we see this phrase mentioned, unfailing love. 40 times, like Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, like Moses was on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments for 40 days, like God when he was recreating a, a, a self-destructive humanity, the, 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 the rain came on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, so 40 times. Love, the, the, the unfailing love of God appears in Scripture. And every time, it is intimately connected to its source, God himself God is the source of unfailing love. And I, I, I want to give you just three of those 40 scriptures. Uh, I could give you all 40 because the bears don't play till 720. But no, I'll give you three of them because I want you to see just in these three, just in these three, you can see a pattern unfold. You can see the trigger that will release the unfailing love of God over every aspect of your life. So here's scripture number one. Unfailing love surrounds those. So you just go through life surrounded by people around you can feel it. People around you can sense it. It's going ahead of you. It's to either side of you. It'll even have your back. Unfailing love surrounds those who? Yeah, trust in God. Trust is the trigger that releases the ongoing flood of God's unfavor, uh, unfailing love for your life. 
So you open up his word. Let's say it's about your money. You, you see what God's word says about your money and you do what God, you trust what God's word says about your money. You do what God's wor- word says about your money and his unfailing love flows over your money. Let's take me and my Debbie. 45 years of marriage, you can imagine that there were some really, really hard times. You, you can imagine there were some really, really rocky times and you'd be right. You can imagine that there would... Um, be some times when Debbie really, really didn't like me. Um, it's terrible that you'd think that way about me. But, but that's true. So what, what do I personally, what does David have to do when Deb, David and Debbie have fallen off the foundation of their marriage? Do I listen to Dr. Phil? Maybe. Oprah? Elvis? Hunk a hunk of burning love. No, I open up God's word and it says, David, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might present her as a spotless and blameless bride. You trust what God's word says and your trust triggers his unfailing love for my marriage, for my money, for my emotions. Here's the second scripture. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my... Yeah, for I put my trust in you, oh God. I can't tell you the number of times when we were going through our adoption of Lovia, there were another, another, other families like Joe and Matt. Monty is here uh, today. Uh, Eric and Mandy were adopting Ashley. And I remember one time in particular, I was praying with Eric and I think Mandy was there, but I prayed that scripture. Lord, we want good news. In the morning, we want to see evidence of your unfaithful love in the morning. This was one of those evenings, Joe, when all of us as parents were getting together, trying to adopt these kids. We want good news in the morning. And guess what happened the next morning? We got good news of God's unfailing love for the Henrys. Just this week, I was praying for someone I deeply love. And I was going to bed And I was all bug-eyed and anxiety-ridden because of my concern. And so what do I say to the Lord? I say, Lord, give me good news in the morning. I trust you. Let me see evidence of your unfailing love. And I drift off to sleep. And at 5.30 in the morning, I get the good news from the Lord. His unfailing love was at work for me because I'm anything. No, because I'm nothing, but because he is good. And he is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more than all I can ask or imagine. According to his power, the power of his unfailing love, which is triggered by my trust in him. Number three. Trust in the Lord. Why? Because with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply for your deliverance. His unfailing love, more than enough to deliver you from addiction, more than enough to deliver a troubled marriage into a restored, healthy marriage, enough to bring children back to the hearts of the parents, enough to deliver you from the pit of despair and crown you with his love and compassion. That's the goodness of our God and his unfailing love. That's a big question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God that if he says it and you trust it, that settles it? But the bigger question is this. Can God trust you? 
Can God trust you with his unfailing love? His unfailing love for your family, your friendships, your finances, your feelings, your faith. That's a gift, man. Can he trust you with that kind of gift? It's a power, baby. Can he trust you with that kind of power? It's a blessing. Can he trust you with that kind of blessing? It's a reflection of his favor. Can he trust you with that level of favor in your life? Can God trust you with his unfailing love? I believe you got it in you to be trusted by God. It's why next week we are, you said, maybe, maybe before I tell you about next week, let me explain. If you are simply going to be a container and you just want God to pour blessings in you, a container can only hold so much of anything. But if you are a conduit, if you are a channel, as you let the loving kindness, the unfailing love of God flow through you into others, well, God can just keep pouring it on. If you're a container, you can only get so much, but if you are a channel, God can just keep giving and keep giving and keep giving and keep giving his unfailing love for every aspect of your life as you let his love flow through you into the lives of others who are hurting or hungry or who are far from God. And so next week, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna be a channel. We're gonna be conduits of Uh, God's unfailing love as we take up an emergency love offering. Now, just to be straight, um, if you want to plan your life around not being generous, uh, every three months, the last weekend of the month, every three months, we typically take up a love offering for hungry people or hurting children or people far from God here in our immediate area or someplace in the world. And we do it not just to help them. We do it because it shows us, it teaches us that whatever you give to God, he gives back and more. Don't even miss it. But we don't, I don't remember any time doing an emergency love offering. But we are next weekend because there is a huge humanitarian crisis in Haiti. That little island has been, it's the poorest place in the Western Hemisphere. But it has just gone off the charts worse with abject poverty, famine, and incredible hunger. Now we can't feed all the millions of people in Haiti. But we've got children there who are orphans that are in our orphanages. My son, if you know my son, Wilkie, two children adopted from Haiti, but my son, he has an orphanage there that our church has helped him build, school there. And I was talking to him this week, and he said, Dad, the school shut down. I was like, why? It's like, do you need more money? No, Dad. All the schools in Haiti are shut down. Why? It's the time of year when kids go to school. Dad, if the schools opened and the kids came and the teachers came, the gangs come and just shoot up the place. So out of fear. Now, the bad thing is the children in Haiti who go to school, they get a meal, and that's their one meal for the day. Now, we have orphanages. We have an orphanage, you know, a children's work, Walter Dort, Haitian uh, pastor in Guadalupe. It's a voodoo area. In fact, I'll tell you a true story. Walter contacted us once, very concerned about a girl who came to their children's program because her dad was having financial struggles. He'd gone to the voodoo priest, and the voodoo priest had told this dad, sacrifice your daughter to Satan, and Satan will make you proud. That's the kind of stuff that goes on there. 
So we have all these children in the orphanages and in these children's works that are a part of our church. And we know the pastors there every dime will go to feed these kids. In fact, this week we scrounged together, my office manager and I, $2,000. We don't often have $2,000 laying around, but we sent $2,000 right now because those kids are hungry right now. And next next week, we'll do a love offering when everyone can get in and give. Because friends, next week is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. My family's already dreaming a green bean casserole (laughs) and corn pudding and dressing, and turkey, you know, and those kids, they're going to bed every night with empty, aching bellies, and we're going to do something about it, because we're going to let the love, the unfailing love of God flow through us, yeah, for them, but also with the sure knowledge that he just keeps pouring it on, and pouring it on, and pouring it on, and you know the scripture That our God, he's the father of the fatherless. I can't tell you how many times I reminded God when we were going through our adoption, Lord, that that girl, that that little boy, Wookiee, you're the father of these children. You're the father of the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God. God places the lonely in families. And we may be a whole long ways away from that little island Haiti, but we are going to make them feel like family by feeding them like we feed ourselves in Jesus' name. And speaking of Jesus, let me share with you a prayer. I pray for you on a regular basis and receive it as a prayer right now. It's God's breathed word from the third chapter in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And it goes like this. I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full with the fullness of God. You see, this is so huge and the reason I pray it for you is that when you do not know the unfailing love of God, you will never know who you truly are. Now, I don't do this often, but I don't wanna miss one thing that I wanna share with you, so I'm gonna read it to you. Many of you in this room, probably most of you in this room, are Christ followers. And for those of you who are, I'm about to say what you can declare over your life. And those of you who are yet to begin to follow Jesus, I just want to entice you a bit with the good things, the unbelievable things, the unimaginable qualities of life that he brings into us when we decide to follow him. So, if you are a Christ follower, follower, here's what you can declare over your life. I am completely, unconditionally accepted. Why? I am God's child. I am Jesus' friend. I am fully forgiven and cleansed of all guilt and shame. I belong to God. I've been adopted into the family of God. I am complete in Christ. If you are a Christ follower, not only are you completely, unconditionally accepted, you can declare over your life, I am totally secure. I will never be judged or condemned by God. I I am fully confident that God is actively at work to my good. I am fully confident that God will finish the good work he's begun in me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I can claim all God's promises as my very own. I don't have a spirit of fear. 
I have the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And I can find help and mercy in my time and deed from my God. And I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Not only can you declare that you are unconditionally and completely accepted, totally secure, but if you are a Christ follower, if you become a Christ follower, you can declare over your life, I am deeply significant. I am connected to Christ and his superabundant life flows in me. I am the light of the world and Jesus' love shines in me. I have been chosen by God to do great things. I can help others make peace with God. I am God's partner in making good things happen. I can live out God's dream for my life. I can approach God with confidence and I can do all things. I'm talking about all things. I'm talking about every little thing through Christ who gives me strength. That's who you are. And that's the identity you've been looking for all your life. That is the unfailing love of God. Would you stand with me, please? May I pray over you, please? Our Father, you are a faithful God, and we want to just say we're sorry right up front for our unfaithfulness, that we have not always trusted you um, with our relationships or our emotions or our money. We've trusted what Facebook says, or CNN, or Fox News. Lord, we're asking that you help our trust grow. We want, we want to give you all the freedom to make us channels of your unfailing love. We pray for those children in Haiti. Cannot imagine what they're living with, the, the, how shamed they feel living in poverty. Use us to help them, Lord, and feed them. We thank you, Lord, that you accept us completely and unconditionally, that we are the highly prized, treasured and precious children of the one true and living God. So we are deeply significant in that relationship. Might we be channels of your unfailing love to those in need. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.